And this is Deion Dawkins, man. And you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already should know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, Season 9, Episode 19. We're back after, what, a three-week holiday break or so. Uh, I'm John DiCarlo, the editor of OwlScoop.com. We have the full house with us, Kyle Gauss, Declan Landis, Rymir Vaughn, Johnny's a Wizlack. We have so much stuff to catch up with over the last few weeks. Recruiting, football recruiting, signing day stuff for football, staff changes, temple men's and women's hoops, all of your mailbag questions, a lot of stuff to get to. We'll catch up on each other's holidays. The Scoop, as always, is brought to you guys by Greenspan and Greenspan. Injury lawyers, if you've been injured while on the road or the highway, and the crash was someone else's fault. The insurance company is not going to be on your side. You need us, Temple Law grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win. So in Pennsylvania or New York, call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. That's greenspans-law.com. Guys, are you refreshed? After the, after the holidays, well, you know what? Let, let's get to Rymir first. Congratulate him <laughs> on graduating from Temple University. You feel any different, buddy? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I keep saying I'm not going to feel any different until all my friends go back to school, and it's like I don't got to do anything. So we were there. We uh we we watched him graduate at the Temple Performing Arts Center. The last what the last episode of the scoop that we did, you did not. You did not seem prepared. <laughs> Which we recorded the day before, did yes, we? Yes, you didn't know the date, time, location. <laughs> where, I, where I figured all that was. out. Yeah, figured, I figured out all that right. out after the after the scoop. So I, I was good. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations, Bobby. What did, what did you guys do to celebrate? I don't even remember. Wasn't there a Taco Bell run, or didn't you guys go to a diner or something like that? Or yeah, isn't that I the night we went to Chubby's? Oh, yeah. It, it is the day. It is the day. Yeah. And you True. guys enjoyed the, the cheesesteaks from Chubby's? Oh, they were better yeah. than the place across the street. Oh, yeah. Don't no. tell Johnny that. No. 100%. No, 100%. 100%. I, I just disagree, but we'll have to agree to disagree. Kyle, have you had Del Sandro's or Chubby's? John. <laughs> yeah, I've had, Del, <laughs> I've had Del Sandro's before. Yes. Oh, I've not had Chubby's. You could also be that guy like, well, when, when do I get to Maniac or Roxborough anymore? I don't know. I was young once, but no, God, when was the last time I went to Man- Actually, I was at Maniac for brunch a couple months ago, so not that long ago, but usually I know I'm not going to Maniac. Ever since they closed Mad River, okay, I was done with Maniac. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you, guys, you guys don't even know. That's correct. Mad River. No clue. It was a disaster of a everything. Mm-hmm. Business, time. So how was everybody's Christmas and New Year's? Good. Tiring. I, when you asked earlier if we were rejuvenated, I don't know if I'm rejuvenated. I feel like I'm more tired than I was pre-holidays. But we're here. If you when like when you become a parent, there's a lot of like night of like things you forget about, and then you're like, oh crap, I gotta build 45 things tonight. And they gotta be under the tree tomorrow. What'd you so, have to build? Uh, a lot of like Haley's getting to the age where people everyone gives her like scooters and stuff. So a lot of things like that. Uh... Jordan got another nugget, so he has two couches now that to get put together to build forts like there's a bunch of minor annoyances and all i want to do is get 
toasty with eggnog. Instead, I have to build. <laughs> Ramir, can we shout out your your beautiful little niece who we met at graduation? Oh yeah, of course. She was awesome. Gave Declan the cold yeah. shoulder, right? I think so. She always does. Nothing. <laughs> She's new. very nervous in person and shy, but it's okay. Yeah. But you said she she intimidates you on FaceTime, is it, Declan? No, she always makes fun of me on FaceTime. That's awesome. What does yeah. she do to make fun of you? Like, she'll just come in and, you know, for our, obviously it's an audio podcast, you won't be able to see, but she'll just like make weird faces at me. So I'll make them right back, you know, and then we'll go back and forth for maybe 20 minutes till she tires herself out. So it's always <laughs> a, it's a welcome sight, but it definitely, you know, cuts up the conversation time when I'm trying to ask Ramir a question or two. <laughs> right. Any other good holiday stories that you guys want to share? What did you, what'd you do with your break? I got a bad one, I guess. Oh, what happened? Oh. I went to uh, New York to watch the ball drop, and it was the worst experience I've ever had in my Why life. Why did you do that? Why? It wasn't my idea. It wasn't my idea. I was like, my one of my friends was like, you know what? Let's go to New York. And I'm like, I didn't know she was serious at first until the day of. So. Oof. After, after, um, I, I forgot what happened that day. I think it was, I think that was the Eagles game that day. So I think after I watched that, we got up, we went first, I wouldn't leave to like eight. So, so oh, we wow. already messed up there and we get there and we walking down seventh Ave, and, um, you can't really see the ball on seventh Ave. So like we walking down, they cut us off at like 34th street or something like that. And, we packed like sardines. Can't nobody move. This is lady behind me telling me she can't see. I'm like, what you want me to do? Like, like you, you, you bought, you bought this tall. She like four eleven probably on a good day. I'm like, <laughs> on a good day. On taller. a good day. That's my favorite part of the story. Four eleven <laughs> on a good day. <laughs> like you, you're not getting any taller. I can't. I can. I can let you in front of me, but that's not going to change what you can see. And it, it was. I was just mad. I was just pissed off. But I had some some pieces, so we kind of balanced it out, I guess. Did you drive up there or take the train? No, I did not drive. My friend drove. I was not driving. That was the oh. rookie move. You got to drive to Hamilton. Drive to Hamilton. Then you drive know. to Hamilton, take New Jersey Transit in. Yeah. Boom, you're up there. Wow. I have uh, never I, I've never been up to Times Square to see the ball drop. Have you, Kyle, have you ever done it? No. No. That's where people get there like eight hours beforehand. They just piss their pants all day. Because like yeah. they don't want to give up their spot, like right there. Like, no, I have no interest in that. I've definitely gone up. I had a stretch where I was going up to New York like, for Christmas. Like, you go up, you see the tree, you mm -hmm. go do all that. But then, like, you just go home. Yeah, the ball drop would be. It's like not even interesting on TV to me. Like, the I'm... only interesting thing was there was a couple stretch where they let Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen get like blackout drunk on live television. Oh, yeah, and that's then, the best uh, show. But they've <laughs> also told them, the like, show. you got to pull back. You guys got way too drunk that one year. I want to give a little shout out. We lost another dog. Our, our buddy George, my, my mother-in-law's dog, George, uh, passed away last week. He was battling lymphoma. Kyle, I think you met him years ago. You, when we were in South Philly, he was at the house once, and you met him. George, if you didn't, if you you had to be around him like four or five times before he like really, really loved you hard. He was like a little polar bear. I think he probably, I mean, he probably glared at you on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Like he, he barked at me. Yeah, he barked at you. Yeah, barked you a couple of times. Ramir made the effort. Love you for that, buddy. Appreciate it. But um, <laughs> yeah, he was he was a lovable little guy. We'll certainly miss him. Dedicate this episode of the of the scoop to him. 
he was a he wasn't a loyal listener. Maybe he's maybe he's listening up yeah. to a little little doggy having just listening to podcasts up there. So love him, miss him, guys. Famous, famous, famous number 19s before we get into all this football, basketball, recruiting stuff. Robbie Anderson. Oh, wow. Who? Robbie Chosen. Or Chosen. Chosen. What is he? Oh, he's not He's not 19. Not Robbie Chosen. Chosen Anderson. Yeah. yeah. Yes, Chosen was... Anderson. There, right. He's changed a few times, our defense. Yeah. Um, I looked I this up beforehand. I actually did research. Um, I, I decided to go with trivia questions again. So the obvious, easy trivia question is Costanza complained about trading him in Seinfeld. Oh, come on. I should know this. Jay Buner. Jay Buner. Um, one of the more obscure perfect game pitchers of all time. Bob recent-ish. Recent-ish. Oh, recent, recent. Um, I don't know. Annabel Sanchez. Oh, cool. Ah. 3,000 hits primarily for the Brewers and Twins. Robin Yount? No. Robin Yount is 19, though. No, well, that's not what I was going for, then. Brewers and Twins. I say, okay, let me rephrase this, though, but he wore 19 with the Blue Jays. 3,000 hits with the Brewers, Twins, and Blue Jays. Mm -hmm. Paul Molitor. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, and then the obvious ones. Bernie Kozar. Oh, Bernie Kozar. Johnny Unitas. Yeah. A real obvious one for baseball that we haven't touched on. Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn. Joe Montana when he was on the Chiefs. I believe Tony Gwynn never struck out against Greg Maddox. That was low. Which, granted, Greg Maddox (laughs) wasn't like a strikeout pitcher, but like he just never struck out against him, which is wild. Joey Votto wears 19. Yeah. Ramir, any 19s? Um, Declan took mine, but I could think of one. Um, He had some. Two. Um, Juju Smith Schuster. Pittsburgh. Oh, it was with Pittsburgh. Yeah. And current chief Kadarius Brick the Hands Tony. Oh, the worst. Mm. Um, NBA player who became the like the all time winningest coach. Hill Jackson? Lenny Wilkins. Oh, Lenny Wilkins. Lenny Wilkins was the coach of the Raptors during those like Iverson was still like good with the Sixers era. Yeah. I keep going. I think Keyshawn Johnson was 19 as well. I was petrified. I got to interview him once, and I thought he was going to bite my head off, and he didn't. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was. I'm proud of you. I probably told this story in as in class once to you guys. Uh, it was back in like I don't know two. The, the remember the Bucks used to have that streak. This was like late 90s, early 2000s. They had that streak where they had not won a game when the temperature kickoff was below freezing. So they played the Eagles. It was either 99, 2000, one of those seasons. They played the vet, lost a playoff game. And so I was there with like, it was like me and like some of the other guys from, from the Courier Post. And my sidebar to write was talk to the Bucks, go into their locker room after loss and ask them if they think there's anything to this streak. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm probably going to be like in a, just a crowd of reporters and I don't know if I'll get a question in going to the Bucks locker room and no one's at his locker, like nobody. And I was like, this is bizarre. And so I walk up to him. I was like, Hey, Keyshawn, the reporter from Philly, whenever you get a chance, can I ask you a couple of questions? He was like, yeah, just give me some time to get dressed where I was like, all right, I'm thinking he's going to rip my head off for asking this, this question. Yeah. I'm not on the Bucks beat. 
And so by that time, like, he's like, okay, I'm ready. And then like a few other reporters come around. I'm like, listen, I'm sure you guys are aware of this whole knock on you about this streak that you guys can't win when the, when there's freezing temperatures, the game time temperature was like 30, whatever it was. I was like, do you think there's anything to it? And he paused for a second. I was like, oh, he's just going to lambaste me. Boom. Just punches you. Yeah. <laughs> there's something to do that, John. I'm the lead story on, <laughs> lead story on ESPN. Just, <laughs> just sprawled out on the locker. Yeah, he's a nice guy, but he really didn't have to hit me in the face. <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, it'll be a better story. No, he he looked at me and he was just like, yeah, there's something to it. And until we beat somebody, there, there's going to continue to be something to it. I was like, okay, cool. Thank you. <laughs> like, Thank you for my one quote. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> so he got me, he gave me my quote and was, was pretty cool. So I was like, all right, all right. And then I let everyone else ask their question and ran back up to the press box and wrote my story. So yeah. You got the job done. John. Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> what would happen if you didn't get the job done? Would your life be different now? I don't know. It's hard to say. And I feel like Steve Buscemi and uh and Big Daddy. That's a great question, kid. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to no great segue out of that. Let's get to this Temple football recruiting class, which is really still obviously a, an ongoing process, but on national signing day, because I think we recorded our last episode was right before signing day, I think. So 23 players at Temple signed on National Signing Day last month. Eight high school players, eight JUCO players, seven from the portal. Um, since we last talked to you, in addition to EJ Warner, their most notable portal loss, probably Victor Stoffel, Jalen McMurray. He's about to go to Tennessee, so his career might be a success. Wow. Okay. Um, is that where he's headed? Jalen McMurray. That's where he's visiting this weekend, yeah. Okay. Um, Jalen McMurray. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Stoffel, Stoffel's hitting the portal, and, you know, around... You see his final three? It's like AM, Oregon, somebody else. Like they're all like power five. Wow. No way. <laughs> yeah. I thought Stoffel had a pretty good year, he to did. be honest. He yeah, he was like, like top 100 PFF, right? Yeah, I think I think he was a pretty good right tackle this year. And he's also like six, seven, and 25 years old. Like six, every eight, like, a lot, pounds. Yeah. A lot of programs. He's plug and play yeah. in a yeah. nutshell. Right. Yeah. Dom Hill entered the portal too, you know, from, you know, transferred him from South Carolina. They played him at safety this year. So I guess, yeah, until further notice, Evan Simon from Rutgers would seem to be the leading candidate to replace CJ Warner. He committed to Temple after a visit last month and, and signed. And uh, Temple had been recruiting Buffalo quarterback Cole Snyder. Kyle pointed, or maybe we were just talking about this on the phone, right? He beat out Cole Snyder initially at Rutgers for the job there, right? Yeah, I mean, Cole Snyder had a, a, a good two-year stretch at Buffalo. Like, the reason he was at Buffalo is because he was third in the depth chart at Rutgers. Like, he left. So, and yeah. Evan Simon was the backup there. So, I mean... It, if you're an optimist, you could kind of point it out that maybe just Evan Simon hasn't had the opportunities that Cole Snyder has had, mm-hmm. and that's why he doesn't have the numbers, but that's the optimistic take. Yeah. So, and again, Temple has more visitors coming in this weekend. Uh, Al Scoop subscribers can get that list on the site now. We'll look at some players that they signed last month. We'll play some audio for you here. Let off the, the signing day presser by asking Stan Drayton about Evan Simon then asked him about whether or not they could add another quarterback. Asked him about some of the other players that stood out to him as guys who could make an instant impact. So 
You'll hear what he had to say there, and then we'll have more audio for you on the other side here. So again, this is from just catching you guys up and refreshing you on their signing day class from, from last month. Again, since it's been a few weeks since we've talked to you guys, this is uh, the portion of the press conference where I talked to Stan on Zoom about you know some of the guys that, that stood out to him, and we'll have more for you on the other side here. Obviously, you lose EJ, Evan Simon as a guy that you signed. What did you like about Evan, and what, what do you think he can give you that he wasn't able to do at Rutgers during his time there? Well, I don't know what Rutgers had going on there in regards to what his status was and why it was what it was there. Uh, what I do know is that he's uh, he's an accurate passer, has the ability to play with his feet, extend plays. thing I love about him right now is the intangible of him having a a major chip on his shoulder because of whatever went on for you know with him at Rutgers. He's going to bring some instant leadership, a little moxie to him. Really excited about building some things around him so that he can really showcase his, his skill set, uh, which we assess is, is going to be you know good enough for us for sure. Now, like you said, this isn't the this isn't the only signing day. This is an ongoing process. Is that a position where you guys are probably going to maybe add? another player to a quarterback to add some more depth and competition. There. That, that is a possibility. Are there guys that jump out at you that you think could be ready to play right away for you? Got like instant impact guys that, could, that are really going to be right in the mix for starting or guys that jump out in that way? Yeah, I think, you know, number one, we have, uh, you know, an offensive guard and, and, and Mausa, uh, who's coming out of California, Juco, uh, Masa Palu. Uh, really good size. He's six four. He's two hundred. I mean, three hundred and thirty pounds. Uh, athletic can bend. Uh, moves people on film. You know, plays with a chip on the shoulder. Plays like he's angry. You know, finishes blocks. And I think he brings a demeanor to that offensive line that we you know, that we absolutely need. I think he'll be great for the young guys to to learn from in the process of developing those guys. He'll he'll bring the right mindset to that to that room where we'll get the kind of style of play from a, a mindset standpoint that we're looking for. Uh, he's, he's one guy for sure. Got a really good safety in, um, in Jalen Lewis, you know, who is a, uh, a transfer from Arkansas, very rangy, you know, played as a freshman there. Really good player, you know. Uh, you see on film why he had the opportunity to go to Arkansas coming out of high school, uh, looking for an opportunity to play, you know, again, that chip on the shoulder is something that you're going to hear me say that is a common denominator amongst this class. These guys love the game and they play with a chip and uh, he just wanted an opportunity to play. And I think that immediately he makes our, our back end better. Uh, I'm not going to be, be able to name all of them all because I still think that every single one of these guys will have an opportunity to push for immediate impact on this football team. One that stands out is, is, is uh, Daniel Efert, who's a tight end, who, you know, we had in camp, lit our camp up. You know, we're losing two really good tight ends in, in, in DMR and uh, Jordan Smith. And uh, I don't think we lose much with the guys that are returning. And you add this piece to it, uh, a guy who can make plays uh, from that position is, uh, is going to be uh, great for us. I mean, we, we love incorporating the tight end. I think he's going to be able to have an immediate impact that way for us as well. Got some really good freshman DBs and Adrian Lang, and those guys are going to be really good for us. Denzel Chavis, two New Jersey boys. They're really good friends. They've been friends since elementary school. And uh, these are two long corners can can really push for playing time as a freshman. You know, so very excited about the, the tangibles they bring to the table early on. And uh, I can really just go down the list and say uh, a lot of positives about all of them. 
Um, those are just a few, uh, you know, not to disrespect the other guys that we have committed. I, I really do feel like uh, we've answered some of our issues and uh, brought the right mindset in with, with a lot of these guys. All right. So you heard him talk there about uh, Mouse Apollo, the offensive guard that they seem pretty high on. He mentioned Jalen Lewis, the Arkansas transfer, who they see as a safety. Mentioned uh, Denzel Chavis and Adrian Lang, the two freshman corners from North Jersey. And then he mentioned Daniel Everett, too, the tight end from Germany, who he said lit up their camp back in the summer. Uh, in addition to talking to Stan, I talked to Danny Langsdorf that day, Temple's offensive coordinator. You won't be able to get this audio anywhere else. Owl Scoop subscribers can go back and listen to that full interview. We're going to play a clip of that conversation. I got the chance to talk to Danny, of course, about Evan Simon losing EJ Warner, asked him about Miles Apalu, and he also brought up Tyree Washington the Juco running back from, from California. So we'll play a clip of my conversation with him as well. I know you guys were probably looking at a few players in the portal, but what did you like about Evan? And what do you think you can bring out of him that he didn't show at Rutgers or maybe didn't get the chance to do at Rutgers? Yeah, I think, you know, I, don't, I can't really speak to their system, what they were doing, but the kid that we had uh, vetted a little bit coming out of high school in terms of talking with some coaches and things, and really a lot of positives with him. And, and whether it's, I don't know, like I said, much about his experience. We had, uh, you know, some of his uh, tape from games and things. Um, not, a, not a huge uh, amount of uh, plays. But, again, that's kind of what we're looking at. And, and you're looking at the portal guys. You're, you're spending some serious money on some of these guys that, that are, you know, just trading teams. I don't even know how many quarterbacks starting at their school entered the portal and it had to be it had to be a half the teams you know so it's crazy but um like his accuracy I think he's got really good leadership skills um he can move around you know so I, I feel like you've got a, a chance to do some different things with him how tough is it to lose someone like EJ for what he accomplished and you know what might have been ahead for him what was that conversation like when he let you guys know you know, I think for a lot of these guys, I think, uh, you know, there, there's a bunch of different reasons guys are changing teams. And I can't, I, I don't know. It's the way that we're living these days. The grass is always greener somewhere else and guys are jumping in that thing. And, and some of it works out, some of it doesn't. I, I wasn't uh, jumping up and down when he told me, but at the same time, I wasn't going to, you know, try to, I, I mean, obviously I wanted him to stay, uh, mm -hmm. but the, the, the reasons that he wanted to leave, you know, we, we talked it through and they are what they are. So, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's kind of the way, like I said, that's, that's the world we're in these days. So we're, we're having to figure it out and keep recruiting and keep evaluating guys. And, and uh, you don't have the same amount of time to develop kids like you used to, you know, you're, you're just, you're just changing your roster flips really every year and, and even twice, you know, if you talk about winter and then the after spring ball, you're still, there's still changes to be made. So it's kind of evolving that way where you're always having to stay up with that and, you know, keep your list big and keep uh, evaluating different kids and seeing if they can help you and, and just being ready to lose guy. There's the February signing period. This isn't, you know, recruiting's not done. Is the quarterback position one where you guys could add another player or two to create competition there? Yeah, absolutely. And we'll just keep, you know, that it's a pretty fluid deal these days. Uh, you're, you're sometimes either, even taking a little bit more, maybe taking or borrowing from a position to, to get a guy knowing that you might lose one, you know, so your numbers, 
they kind of changed. It used to be they were pretty set. You know, you, you, you took so many at each position, and that's just what you uh, planned for. And now it really is fluid. I think it's changing so often that you can't just be set to this specific number. I think you're just continuing to try to get the best available. And if you have to borrow from a position for a little while, then you do that too. Going back to the recruiting class, Stan was really high on, on you know, I asked him, you know, every everybody likes their class, but are there some guys that, that jump out that you think could play right away? And you mentioned uh, Mosa Palu. I mean, the, the size jumps out at you, 6'4", 330. I'm assuming he's an interior guy. What what did you like about him? And does is he, you know, would you agree with Stan there, a guy that could could really come in and play right away? I do. I think he's got the power and the strength, you know, and he could be probably more of an interior guy where uh, Linus will be probably more of an edge guy. And again, we play, we train those guys and I'll kind of all five positions. So, you know, we want to play the best five. We don't just say, Hey, you're only a tackle. Mm -hmm. Even the tackles uh, usually can play pretty well inside and uh, we have them all snapped too. So, if we lose a center, we don't have a bunch of problems with guys that have never practiced snapping, you know. So they're pretty interchangeable, and we'll play the best five. But I like uh, – Mousa's got strength and power. And like I said, probably more of an interior guy where Linus is, is really more of an edge guy, a tackle position, and pretty interchangeable. But I feel really good about both those kids. feel good about the running back, being able to come in and provide uh, some power and some strength and some – um, toughness in that position that we're looking for. Going to ask you about Tari Washington. Uh, you know, Stan had said he might be five eight five nine nine, but he's but he's strong. What what was it about Tyree that that jumped out to you that you liked about him? You know, the ability to break tackles. Um, he's got really good contact balance. You know, he gets hit. He just doesn't go right down. He doesn't get tackled by the shoestrings. You know, he's he's a load to take down. So I like the fact that he's able to make make something whether you you can block it for a three four yard gain he could turn that into a 10 yard gain because he's running through tackles and he's able to you know be able to to block be able to catch out of the backfield and break tackles it's a big part of what we liked about him so again al scoop subscribers can check out that entire interview in case you missed it around the holidays danny also talked to me about why he's still excited about forrest brock and and tyler douglas why they still have a chance to compete for the starting job and and talked about other aspects of the team as well. Football scoop has been reporting on some of the coaching changes, uh, safeties coach, Marvin Klessor and wide receivers coach Jafar Williams are out. And then football scoop is reporting that Tyron carrier who had been hired by Grambling by Hugh Jackson this past season had previous stints at Houston, West Virginia will be temples, new wide receivers coach football scoop had named the 2018 receivers coach of the year when he was at West Virginia. And then Kevon Beckwith, who was at SEMO, uh, looks like he's going to be defense. I think he's like a defensive tackles coach. So again, like their staff changes every off season with, with uh, a lot of staff. So I don't know if they're going to be more coming up. Um, and we've got some mailbag questions about the coaching staff as well. Well, we do this every year, obviously not. Well, I should say that obviously recruiting has changed and, and classes are becoming more portal heavy and more Juco heavy, certainly in Temple's case. Again, they're, we all know they're entering a pivotal third season after two, three, and nine seasons. They, they've got to get better quick. They have to get more experience quick. Stan Drayton, you hear in those clips there, Stan Drayton, Danny Langsdorf mentioned some of the most prominent names. 
what did you guys, knowing that we won't know really the true test of this class for a couple of years, but who were some of the guys that, that, that stood out to you guys you thought might be important ads for them, even if it is some of the, the guys that, that have been mentioned already? I think I think Chroma, the defensive tackle from Monroe College up in New York, is probably a guy that's going to play pretty early. I mean, I think we've talked at ad nauseum about Temple's defensive line last year and how it was just depleted and no one had ever really seen that many injuries and stuff like that. I think he's the guy that comes in right away, especially concerning, like, I think he has a chance, but, like, is Alan Hay going to be ready for the fall? Like, I don't know how severe that injury was, stuff like that. But my, my general vibe of the early signing class outside of a couple exceptions is that mostly it's rebuilding their base, like rebuilding mm-hmm. the foundation. Like, I think there's a lot of guys that look, I mean, in an ideal world, if you're Alabama, you're LSU, you're, you know, Washington, like, yeah, you can have 22 like studs out there, but most programs are like, you have a bunch of like foundation guys and you have a couple guys that kind of spike and peak. And those are the guys you build around. I think this was refueling the roster for those like foundation guys because look they haven't lost that many people in the portal like obviously ej warner set temple fans on the last month of just like woe is me terribleness but like all things considered they haven't been hurt that badly running mm-hmm. the portal other than that um so i think it's the guys that did leave are rotational guys and guys that were providing depth and some of them might have been starters but they needed to refill that level so i think they did uh, a job of that and i think this next signing period is when you might start seeing more like Oh, that guy's probably a projected starter here and there and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plus you've missed it along the way. EJ ends up at at Rice, so right. kind of a, a a lateral move in terms of conference. Temple's not playing Rice this this year. Um, it's a lateral move in conference, but Rice would beat the brakes off Temple this year. Oh they, yeah, oh they, absolutely. They were a bowl team. JT Daniels absolutely. is a good quarterback for them. Like yep. other names that we haven't talked about, or even if it is again, like I said earlier, some of the guys that that Stan and Danny mentioned, other names that 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 jump out to you guys that you thought were important ads in this in this class that we haven't mentioned yet uh not a name but now that's back-to-back years where they've gone super heavy on recruiting offensive linemen and granted there's another you know signing day that we could see changes in that sort of trend but they brought in a bunch of juco kids last year and a lot of them struggled to adapt and didn't really play super well and now you lose Stoffel, you lose rich rodriguez as well Juco uh, guy. Yeah. And, you know, Barajas didn't necessarily fit super well initially. You saw Jackson Pruitt get starting snaps in the first couple of weeks, and that slowly dwindled as well, even though he, I believe he was injured as well, too. Well, I think Barajas was too. But yeah. But I even mean, still, well, like, it, it's interesting that that's where they went in this first signing day. Well, like Kyle said, like, they just have to, like, re retool and revamp their base because that's. It sounds cliche as all hell, but I mean, they just got beat at the line of scrimmage almost every week on on both sides of the ball. Danny, Danny Langsdorf did mention, he just brought up Linus Lindbergh, the, the Juco uh, tackle from College of the Canyons, who's originally from from Sweden. He's more of a tackle, whereas Paulo is an interior guy. Evan Daly from Ohio, uh, a high school recruit coming in, probably, well, I don't know, could be like, could have the size to be a tackle if he puts on some weight. But again, a guy that they would probably want to redshirt at a time when they really haven't been able to to redshirt guys. So we also probably thought that about Luke Watson, right? And yeah. then he starts like eleven games. So yeah, and both tackle and uh, and guard again. You heard you heard Danny talk about Tyree Washington again. If you hear that whole, if you want to go back, if you're an Al Scoop sub- subscriber, you want to go back and listen to that full 
interview, he talks about the running back position, talks about some other stuff there. But, you know, before I even got to Tyree, he brought him up, prompted and again, more of a more of a JUCO and transfer heavy class. Again, just reminding you all that if you're an Alscoop subscriber, uh, we have a list of at least six guys that are visiting this weekend that we've been able to confirm. Again, there will be a February signing period. And again, the way recruiting is covered now has just changed because it's a you know ongoing process. Real quick, sorry, with the transfer stuff, like, yeah, it's an early sign. It's a late signing period in February, but a lot of these guys have to make their decision like next week because mm-hmm. like, if they want to enroll in the spring, this is their last visit. Like technically, like you can... A lot of times you see them kind of get guys in because fun like the ad drop date, like a little past the start of the spring semester. But for the most part, like this is the last weekend before like that because like next weekend's a dead period again, I believe. This is the last weekend, I think, for um for them to kind of squeeze in or next weekend. Yeah, we'll have more football mailbag questions. We'll have more football talk in the mailbag, I should say. Let's talk about this temple men's basketball team. Again, it's been a few weeks since we've talked to you guys. Did not have a good run out at the Diamond Classic in Hawaii. And then we're recording this on uh, Friday afternoon. So they lost to USF last night down in Tampa in their American Athletic Conference opener. They're 7-7 seven and seven now with Wichita State coming into Leocore Center on Sunday. Wichita State's 8-6 and six, coming off a loss to North Texas in their conference opener. They started off 7-1 against a, a pretty easy schedule, but they've lost five of their last six since then, including a loss to Kansas back on December 30th. They, I mean, like a lot of other teams now, they have a, they've got some transfers. Colby Rogers, uh, transfer guard from Siena. They weren't, were they, was Temple recruiting him or am I just imagining that, Kyle? Was was Rogers a guy they were looking at in the portal or was there another Siena kid that they were looking at? There was at? another Siena kid, right? I think that, that's, I know who you're referring to. I thought it was a different Siena and kid. And maybe it's not, maybe it wasn't Colby Rogers. Also forgot that they have Xavier Bell there. He was, he's originally, he's from that area, but he was a big part of, helping Drexel get to the NCAA tournament back in in 2021. Jaleel White, as most of you probably know, is hurt again, uh, re-injured that ring finger on his right hand. There's no timetable yet on his return. I think it's safe to assume that they're missing him, especially defensively. Jordan Riley's really starting to emerge. Had a good game last night. Had a couple of big dunks. Heiser Miller has yet to shoot 50% in any game this season. He went 0 for 8 from 3. Last night, Zion Stanford's minutes have been kind of limited as he continues to work through an ankle sprain. In the meantime, on top of that, Shane Dizoni is starting to get more minutes. I think a lot of, again, there's a question about this in the in the mailbag. We're starting to see this team level out, right? I mean, there's only so much that... And I'm not trying to absolve the coaches. I mean, they still have to prepare the game plan, scout, do all that stuff, but... I think there's only so much that can be done with it with this roster. You can see why guys like Aiden Tobiasen and Dylan Batie are going to be able to come in next year and and probably contribute right away. But is this about what we expected from this team to start to see it level off again? I think Jaleel White getting healthy again could certainly help them, not to the point where they're going to you know turn things around and and make a make a run in the in the NCAA tournament, but. It just it, just general impressions from you guys over over the last few weeks from from what we've seen from this team. Well, before the season started, I did say that they were going to win like ten games, and they surprised me in the non conference schedule by you know coming out and actually winning, like coming out better than five hundred. You're starting to see how Sarah Miller is who we thought he was in a sense, and him being your best player really isn't where you want to be, but. It's year one of a rebuild. 
it's, it's not much you can really expect. I want to talk about that for a second because he's become everybody's favorite lightning rod for criticism. But I also, yeah, we can talk about this more in the mailbag. You know, Jordan Riley is getting more shots. Shane Dozoni is getting more shots. I don't know that Adam Fisher is consciously telling Hysir go out and take 25 shots. I don't know that he's necessarily taking bad shots a lot. There's just, he's missing some open looks. I mean, they, I think that this fan base is starting to realize like, well, who else? Right. I mean, they don't have a super deep bench. I don't, I, I mean, his numbers are what they are. Again, he is not shooting the ball well. He's especially not shooting it well from three, but I don't know that there are times, I thought there were some times where he finished better around the rim last night. He had that one play where, I don't know if he, I can't remember. I know it was just last night. I don't know if he finished the M1 or maybe he did, but I don't know that he's necessarily ad-libbing or like not staying within the flow of the offense. He's just struggling. I, I think, you know, if he's around next year, I don't think he's going to be a bad teammate in the sense. Like, I think you'll see his shot, his shot total go down. I don't want to say significantly, but like fairly significantly. They just, they just don't have a very deep roster right now. And they just are what they are. I don't know that he's really taking, really taking bad shots. And, you know, I think, and we can ask Adam Fisher this next time we see him, they're still going to, they're still going to lean on him, you know? And I think there's something, I know that this, I don't expect this to satisfy the fan base. They're going to, they're not going to be a tournament team this year. They are rebuilding, but he still knows the offense. He knows the defense. They're still going to lean on him for a lot. He's just, he's having a lot of shots that go in and out and there's, I think with a better roster, he's going to be a guy who maybe shoots the ball 10 or 12 times a game, and you're going to see his game elevated just like everyone else's. I think that's kind of just where they are right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, him going 0 from 8 from 3, well, a lot of people went 0 for whatever from 3 last night. But yeah, 0 for 8 from 3 is probably not where you would expect him to be in a year from now. Um, that's probably a situation where maybe I see Miller shooting 3, 4, 3s a game instead of 8. I just think... I just think they're looking for ways to manufacture offense. I mean, I think that's why you saw Shane Zazoni kind of slide into the starting lineup because he's the only one that seems to be able to shoot threes. Like Jordan Riley's been playing a lot better basketball, and he's he's. I mean, I, I kind of keep coming back a lot to Ari saying that Dillian uh, Batim. Oh, sorry, Dillian. Dillian Batim might be the best athlete in the American next year. Mm-hmm. Jordan Riley might be the best athlete in the American this year, or at least yeah. the best that Temple's had a long time. He's a freak athlete. They're just figuring out the other ways to kind of develop the rest of his game but yeah i mean i think hysir has been forced to take on a bigger role offensively instead of more of a facilitator role and then last night of course against usf you know usf and part of it was them just hitting some contested shots and part of it was them getting some really open looks but you know temple had gone on an 11-1 run to get within a point 66-65 game with a little less than two minutes to go and then usf hit what uh was like 12 of their well, they have 12, 16 of their last, where's that stat? Why can I not find it? 12 I think of it was last, 14 of the last 16, maybe? 14 of their last 16, yeah. So, and now they got, again, Wichita State coming up. We'll talk more about, about this team in the mailbag, because again, I know that, that fans just want, they want to try to squeeze, you know, squeeze something out of this roster. Again, I'm not trying to say that there, there aren't some players there, but I think we're starting to see them level out again i think having jolly white back will make a make a difference again especially on the defensive end and you know he's got that that right ring finger that he re-aggravated and uh i don't know if that's just going to be you know what next time we can talk to job of course we'll we'll ask him but i don't know if that's just going to be an ongoing issue for him for the the rest of the year 
We'll talk about this this women's hoops team. You guys have been covering them pretty well. We, we should announce again by the time that by the time that you guys are listening to this, it, it sounds like Kiyomi McMiller is going to be her, announcing her decision on January 6th. I, we had to guess at this point, take an educated guess. I think West Virginia is going to be Temple's stiffest competition there in terms of her recruitment, but we'll see what happens just in terms of the team itself. You guys have seen them. What, what are you seeing? I mean, Diane talks about the equal opportunity offense all the time. That's a staple of what she likes to do, but I'm guessing they haven't made the progress that they've wanted to make. But w- what are your impressions of the team over the last few weeks since we last talked? I mean, I think for one, uh, just in their most recent game, I think against uh, Tulane, it the, the effort just was not what we've really seen all season from them. Why uh, Why is that, though? I, I think just their, the, the way that they played defense, it looked like it was really sluggish. It wasn't the aggressive play style that, that, we, that we're used to where they're up in the defenders' faces, forcing the steals, forcing the turnovers. And then if you, if you look at the stats from that game, you'd be like, oh, they forced 22, 23 turnovers. What do you mean? I mean, in, because in the final six minutes of that game yeah. is where they kind of forced all those turnovers. But for the majority of that game, it wasn't that same team. And Coach Richardson came out and said, right, like right in the press conference, and was like, that that is not the effort that I that I can accept. Or it was something along those lines where it was like it was unacceptable and it wasn't what they're used to. But I think also just in a general term, the shooting has been a problem. They they can't be consistent from three or they're they're settling for long jumpers that aren't efficient shots. It's just not an overall efficient offense. What would be progress for you guys? Again, like Diane Richardson's in year two of a rebuild. What's progress in your guys' eyes for for this program? They haven't been consistent enough for us to say, oh, they look like an NCAA tournament team or they look like one of the two or three best teams in the American. But what what would be progress in your eyes for, for this team and this program? I would like to see them continue to be competitive because – like last year when they when they had eight girls on the floor or eight girls on the roster, it was kind of like, you know, they would get tired and you started to see them lose games by, you know, a substantial amount. But now you want to see them continue to be competitive and continue to grow on offense in a sense, because sometimes like like Johnny said, it's like the shooting is, is bad. Like, quite frankly, they can't shoot the ball. I would love to see I would love to see them try to get you know, more easy looks, maybe some some more shots around the rim, even though half the time they can't finish around the rim either. Mm-hmm. But I, w- I would like to see them take more, you know, shots around the rim, things closer to the rim instead of, you know, these long two-point jumpers or these three-point jumpers that they're just not making with any consistency. I also think a big thing with the team is too, and maybe this goes into what you're saying, Ramir, but what we were saying all off season was, there are 10, 11 people that can come on the floor and get you buckets, right? Like uh, the, the roster is really deep. They can, you know, anybody can score from anywhere on the floor. Like they can, they have the opportunity to be dominant if they, you know, find out sort of who is leading the way, what the roles on the team are. And we just haven't seen any consistent roles from this team. Like, you know, it, it seems like, at least in my basketball watching, that the best teams have a system and they know where they are in that position. You hear it often with like role players, especially that come off the bench. They know what they're supposed to do in their allotted minutes. And 
for whatever reason, whether it's injury, whether it's they just they don't have that rhythm. It just feels like they don't have established roles right now on the roster where, you know, this is the number one scorer, get them the ball. This is the person that is going to find you on the perimeter to give you open looks. You know, this is the person that should be down low getting rebounds. Maybe you get it into the post and see what they can do on the block. Like there isn't really sort of a, a system on offense, it feels like. And I just think that until they find that sort of rhythm and find the way, you know, when shots aren't falling in the system that they anticipated running, how are they going to respond to that? They have not been good at responding to shots not falling. And I think that's a big thing as well. So I think until they can really establish their roles, that that has to be the biggest measure of progress right now. I will say that you guys are obviously more in tune with this than I am. I haven't watched that much of Temple Women's Basketball this year. But in fairness, they had won five of seven before losing to UNT. Like right. They were on like a pretty like decent yeah. stretch. They beat the breaks off UTSA. Um, they beat some teams that probably have like bigger names but aren't that good, like Xavier. Um, but yeah. I think like the, the big thing that sticks up to me again, not watching that much is like you had a person like Kendall Currents, who was like an all conference law league player prior to coming to Temple. They actually was slotted to start in the backcourt last year, has the injury, barely plays, is not a contributor this year now. I don't know if that's injury. I don't know if that's them figuring out the rotation, like Declan talked about. But yeah, it seems like at times they're kind of almost this sounds terrible because they're seven and seven sometimes you think like maybe they're almost too deep like who am i going to what am i doing in this situation mm-hmm. when sometimes it's better to just tighten that up when it comes to conference mm-hmm. play and, uh, and the other thing that kills me too is you know sometimes they like you're saying there's too many players like tristan taylor has had a really good stretch of these last like three four games but she has not played the minutes that she probably should like the the win oh my goodness uh last saturday right Last Saturday? Yeah, last Saturday. UTSA. Yes. In the third quarter, Temple was, like, struggling. Like, they could not score. And Tristan Taylor comes off. All of a sudden, they rattle off a 10-2 run, and they're in the driver's seat from there. Like, Tristan Taylor has been a huge spark, but it seems like every time she gets going, she goes to the bench because she comes in for Aaliyah Nelson, and they can't really be on the floor together because they're very similar (laughs) players. So it just – it's it's tough because you do, Kyle. You have too many players on that roster that could do – you know, so many things. And I just, I don't think they have that established balance yet. And granted, it's only, you know, we're, we're two games into the conference season. Like they have at least a little bit of time, you know, to really start figuring it out. And you're only like 40 games into the Diane Richardson, Eric. So you, you mentioned, you mentioned Taylor, Leah Nelson graduates next year. And it's obvious to see like, okay, then Taylor takes that role and you see what goes on there. So like you're seeing kind of like the ground swell happen where it's like obvious to kind of project who's going to fill those spots. But I understand that people are like, well, why can't they just fill a spot? Like, why can't that be now? Like, why can't you have them both succeed at the same time? But basketball doesn't always work that way. Yeah. Let's go to the mailbag. We have some mailbag questions to catch up on. People are emoting. They have thoughts. They have feelings. That's what we're here for. dblay 75 from the Scoop message boards has our first question here. This is basketball related. If you had to pick one player that makes the biggest jump improving during conference play versus non-conference schedule, who is it and why? That's a good question. I'm just going to say Jordan Riley, and it's less about what he's done in non-conference and more just I think that you're seeing him become more and more of the focal point at times um, that I think you'll just see him continue to develop. Is this like who has to or who who will? Um, I think it's just more like who we think will, not necessarily who has to, but I suppose they could be linked. Rymir, you're the co-host. You get to dictate what you want to say, my friend. <laughs> 
Well, I guess I'll answer both. Who has to? Hasir Miller, obviously. I know um, the whole thing you just said about him and what he has to do, but like point blank, he has to shoot better. He has to be able to knock down the shots that he's getting. And who do I think will change is only simply because of the fact that he's getting more minutes. Mm-hmm. And as like that, that starting spot easily could have gone uh, Zion. But with his injury and him coming back from his injury, right. Shane Dazoni is getting the minutes. He's seem like you said, John, seemingly the only player who can shoot the ball consistently. I'll say Zion. I think uh, when he co- when he finally comes back from this ankle sprain, I think he showed flashes throughout non conference play. I think he needs to shore up his defense a little bit more. Everyone um, kind of knows that he has to be better on defense, but I think he showed flashes on the offensive end to kind of take an extra step in conference play. Now, once he gets a couple more games under his belt. I think he could take a big step forward. I'm going to go a little off the wall with my answer, and I'm going to say Quante Berry. Mm-hmm. I think Quante Berry is a guy that we could see get an increased role. He only played four minutes, but it felt like those four minutes were very impactful. Uh, he was probably, I don't know this for sure off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure he was the only positive plus minus on the night for Temple, and it was like a plus seven in four minutes. So I just think he's a guy that could actually maybe facilitate if needed and maybe could get an increased role toward the end of the season here. I mean, it would help a guy like Heiser Miller. I think so much of this depends on if you can get Jaleel White back, assess where you are defensively with him, assess where you are offensively with him. Well, Zion, I mean, he's played some of his better ball in the, you know, in the non-conference slate and now he's dealing with an ankle injury. I, I think that his, you know, he just played a few minutes last night. I think his limited minutes are, are a combination from what I can understand, what I've been told of combination of Shane Dazoni's emergence and then of them trying to just bring Zion along. I think he's going to need to get healthier and we'll see how Zion Stanford does once the season gets into February where he's typically used to, you know, his season finishing up. Now, granted, he played in a lot of highly contested games at West Catholic, I guess it would have to be you know, for me. I guess maybe it's maybe it's a guy like Shane, you know, an easy answer. But again, we're dealing with a kind of a a roster there where they're still just trying to figure out what they can do to to get by each night. Uh, next question here from Diamond Abroad from uh, the Alscoop.com message boards with Stan Drayton remaking his staff. Any chance Temple gets a new defensive coordinator? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I I, I get. I get why people are upset with the defense. I get why Everett Withers is, you know, again, there's like Heisier Miller has been for basketball. I get why he's lightning rod for criticism. He's not, you know, shouldn't be immune to criticism, but sure. we've, we've talked about this before. I, I just think he's, he's been too much of an influence. I mean, again, like he was a big presence as, as Stan's chief of staff last year, you know, Stan comes in as a guy who was not a previous head coach and, I'll give Stan his credit. He did a ton of interviews and he, I don't think he was, I think he was loyal to Everett more than anybody else. I think that that staff had a heavy, had a heavy Everett Withers influence. I just think he's been too much of an important mentor to Stan at this point to say, Hey, you helped me build my staff. You had a ton of injuries, whether people want to pay attention to this or not, I'm going to fire you now after you were basically playing with no defensive line depth. He still has to scheme things up. But, and there was a question about this later on in the mailbag. I think you, you'll see them switch to a 4-3. He told Kevin Kopp that on signing day. But uh, I understand why the question comes up. But no, I don't think you're – I think we've been saying for a while, I think if 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 Everett Withers leaves, I think it'll be on his own accord. I don't see 
stand firing him unless you guys kind of disagree with this. No, I agree with that. I do think you've seen with recent hires that maybe his hold on the staff is not as big as it was. Cause like there was a stretch where it's like everyone at some point basically worked with every withers, whether that was Antoine Smith, mm-hmm. whether that was Chris Woods, whether that was some of the analysts, like everyone had a connection somewhere, even Marcus Barry, like the chief of staff. And now like with the last couple of hires, you're like, Oh, these guys were just guys that Stan went out and found. So yeah. Second question from Diamond and Broad is staying on the hot seat next year. Uh, probably third year, two, three, and nine seasons. We we have to see next year what a, a new president will mean for Temple and what that new president thinks of athletics. And I think that I think if we were to take an educated guess now, I think six wins or seven wins in a bowl appearance get, gets Stan. You know, I, I don't even think he's that drastic. I think he's on the warm seat. Yeah. I think if they go like four and eight next year and you start to see like improvement, they'd be like, oh, mm-hmm. I was going back for another year. I think if they yeah. go three and nine or two and 10, and this just looks, it just looks like a disaster and they're relying on excuses of injuries on both lines again, then like, bye. But like, yeah. I don't think if they miss a bowl next year, but they're like four and eight, five and six and showing improvement, I think that'll be fine. The schedule's a lot easier next year. So like, time to win some games. Yeah. Yeah. Four and eight and competitive losses. Like, staying yeah, like that, in games. he would come back. He'd be on the hot seat after that. Like mm-hmm. if he goes four and eight competitive losses and he comes back in 2025, like he'd be at the hot seat then. But like, I know exactly what's going to happen is they're going to go to Oklahoma. They're going to get smacked by Oklahoma because it's at Oklahoma. And then you're going to have people on Twitter and people on Facebook being like, well, we're just counting down the days. And that game's going to have no impact whatsoever on Temple's schedule. Right. Like the rest of the rest of the year, unless, you know, injuries happen, but no impact. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing you get out of that. As cliche as it sounds, you get try to get out of that game healthy. You look for positive, bright spots on film and say, hey, you know, uh, a guy like Masapalu looked good on film and and as a as an interior offensive lineman looked really good against a, an Oklahoma team. And and to be fair, this isn't Baker Mayfield. Right, right. Jalen Hurts, like Sam that. Bradford yeah. out there at Oklahoma. Like it, they're yeah. a good team. They're a very good team, but they're not like a world beater team they're not gonna go 13 0 next question next set of questions here comes from the screen name malenko from our message boards question number one does the staff plan to add transfer and or juco players at receiver or tight end probably again we'll see what comes out of the you know again we, we've been able to confirm at least six visitors for this coming weekend there there could be more and there probably are more at receiver sure at tight end Maybe, but I, I think tight end is a, a fairly good position heading into next year. You're bringing Landon Morris is going to be eligible. They they really seem to like him a lot. They like Peter Clark. They like what they've seen. I, I think Reese Clark is a guy who last season, you look at him and say he looked lost. This season, uh, we've talked about before, I didn't know that he had you know push past jet sweep potential on him. They added Daniel Ever, as we just talked about. You heard Stan Drayton talking about him earlier in the podcast. I would think more receivers than tight end. I don't really think that that tight end is a huge position of need for them. I'm not trying to minimize the loss of David right. Robinson because it is a, it is a loss. But no, I think tight end is. I think you ride with what you have at tight end, and the only way you don't is if someone wants to come to Temple that is like, okay, we got to right. get him. Yeah, wide receiver is like John Adams broke his broke his leg. Ahmad Anderson is gone. You they probably should bring in the transfer receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Like, look, if Brock Bowers falls in love with a, a cafeteria lady at Temple or something, and it was like, I want to spend my last year here, then like, 
<laughs> yeah, you take them. But I can see the, what a storyline, Kyle. I could see them adding like a person at tight end just because like you lost two and you're only bringing one in. But like, yeah, it's not as obvious to me. Wide receiver, I think they'll have to add somebody because like you probably feel pretty good about Dante Wright, Zay Baines, Ian Stewart, mm-hmm. and then it's a lot of young guys. One thing I do think they deserve credit for is holding on to Tyler Stewart. The tight end, not tight end, the wide receiver out of Georgia. He had a monster senior year. Yeah, he did. Like a, a, he did. An insane senior year at like a really good level of competition in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So like maybe they're relying on a guy like him to maybe come in and, and play the slot, but I could see them adding a wide receiver. The second question here from Blanco. Uh, again, we just talked about this a few minutes ago. It sounded like Everett Withers said the defense is moving to a 4-3 in a signing day interview with Kevin Cobb. Any thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, I mean, our thoughts are this is a guy who came in and I'm not saying anything that that's like super insightful here. He comes in a couple weeks into spring ball after DJ Elliott leaves to join Nick Sirianni's staff. And I think his goal was, hey, DJ had this defense in a really good place last year for a three and nine team. They had a ton of sacks, a lot of good stuff that he got a lot out of that that unit. Let's not rock the boat. I'm not gonna switch things around too much. I'm not saying that switching to a 4-3 is going to make them a, a 9-3 team next year, but yeah, this is a guy who, again, we, we again, I get why people have been critical of him, but Everett Withers has coached a lot of football. He's been a head coach. He's been a coordinator. He's he's coached a lot of good players. Yeah, he probably wants to shift to a 4-3 based on his personnel, based on what he's comfortable with. So, and, and Ryan, you can speak to this too. A lot of people can speak to this. Like, so 4-3 is their base defense. I'm not saying that that's not insignificant, but defenses so, are so multiple now. It's not like they're going to give teams a lot of different looks. So yeah. I, my thoughts on this are just, yeah, probably a logical progression for him if that's what he's more comfortable with and that's what they're recruiting to now. Yeah, I think it's a, probably a a good thing. But just because he's saying they're going to move to a 4-3 doesn't mean that they're not going to have three, four looks, different looks. I think this you know, just is what it is. I think I think it also depends on who they play because like nowadays base is nickel, so yeah. they're 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 going to have five DBs out on the field majority of the time. But it, I think what it does is it allows your edge rushers to have less to think about now mm-hmm. because you might see an edge you know three four you might see an edge rusher drop in the coverage and that just gives yep. them more things to do more things to think about. Mm-hmm. So now I think it's just you know go get the quarterback. I think you see them recruiting to the four three. They yeah. find like four defensive linemen in the early signing period. If you subscribe to Outscoop.com, there are more defensive linemen on campus this weekend. Yeah. Um so like yeah, I think they're bringing an influx of defensive linemen in. The Hick, a longtime Outscoop.com subscriber, loving the pieces, but the Hicks thing is he will fire off uh, this week. It's one, two, three, four, five, six questions. And some of them are more aimed at like the coaching staff directly, but he's got a ton of them here. What has the team been working on since Hawaii? How will the team try to overcome lack of size, bigger AC against uh, bigger American athletic conference teams? How's the roster being shaken up? There are a lot of questions here. And I think the hick is what I would say to you is again, it's not to say that this roster isn't going to grow and evolve, but there's not much that you can get. Again, what we go back to the point we had before, like you're seeing the limitations of this team. How is the roster being shaken up based off what the coaches have seen so far? You are seeing it shaken up. You know, they moved Shane Dazoni into the starting lineup. You're seeing Jordan Riley get more looks, but there's there's not much that they can do to quote unquote shake up the roster. You know, a guy like Emmanuel Okpomo is what he is. So against bigger American athletic conference teams, 
sure, you can put Ima in for a, a few minutes, but he's not going to all of a sudden become an all-conference center for you. Even as Zion Stanford continues to get healthier, he's still a freshman. Uh, I think he's exceeded, I think in, in November and December, I think he exceeded a lot of expectations. You saw him play really well against St. Joe's. He looks composed, but he's still a freshman. Again, I, I don't want to sound like an Adam Fisher, Bobby Jordan, Michael Huger, and Chris Clark apologist because they're, again, at the end of the day, they have to scout their opponents, prepare this team, coach this team. But there's a reason why they look the way they look in year one of a rebuild. We just talked earlier about, you know, I see Miller. I think in a perfect set of circumstances, he's not taking as many shots as he is now. How are they trying to combat players' tendencies to over dribble, especially in the lane? I think a lot of times that happens because they don't have like any team can be accused of playing too much hero ball and one-on-one basketball. But who right now on Temple's roster is scaring you as a guy that like a bunch of people are going to collapse on and get you open looks? I mean, you can see the limitations. There are a lot of these questions that the Hick has has thrown our way. It's just a lot of times the explanation is they are what they are. And there, there's only so much that they're going to be able to get out of this roster. I think you, you try to see what you can get out of Jordan Riley. Again, as Kyle pointed out earlier, he he might be the best athlete in the conference, and you can see why he was recruited by some of the schools he was recruited by. You can see why he ended up at Georgetown. You have something to build on in Zion. You hope that uh, that you start to see what you can get out of Quante Berry. Quante helps him win that LaSalle game. He's quick. He can get to the rim maybe more quickly than Hysir can. But a lot of these questions that we're looking at here, there's some of it's fixable and a lot of it is not. Again, am I, I don't know if I'm speaking for on behalf of everybody here or if I'm being too soft on the coaching staff here, but I don't know if you guys want to chime in on this as well. So much of this of basketball is just recruiting, right? Like it's kind of like when you fire wide receivers, which I'm not saying this happened at Temple, but it's kind of like when you fire wide receivers coaching, you're like, why weren't the wide receivers good? He can't all of a sudden make them four four guys with great hands, right? Like a lot of times you're limited to what you kind of have. I think it's just recruit, 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 recruit. I think everyone on this call, and if not, I'm just I'm I am gonna speak for you. I think everybody on this call is pretty optimistic about the recruiting class. Like I think Dylan Batie and Ains Bison are gonna be guys that are like you can build upon those guys. Right. And then I think they're gonna be obviously super active in the transfer portal because it's 2024 and everyone's super active in the transfer portal. But like you just need to recruit, you need to recruit, you need to recruit. And I know it's hard to be like, why aren't these guys succeeding right away? But they've played 14 games under Adam Fisher. Yeah. They will yeah. play a lot more than 14 games under Adam Fisher. Yeah. Final question here to, to, to close things out. I like this one from Off the Hook 3, one of our uh, loyal listeners. If you had the power to change, and this is from Twitter, if you had the power to change one moment in Temple sports history, what would it be? Could be anything. Temple beating Indiana in basketball. Uh, would you blackmail Villanova into keeping Temple in the Big East or give Matt Rule a $10 million salary to stay? Uh, I like this one because this could elicit a lot of good answers. Kyle, I'll start with you and we'll go around the horn here. And I'll I have two. Off. I I have two. One I don't think you're going to think of. One I think you've already thought of. Mm-hmm. The one I think you've already thought of is I would keep Rick Brunson not arrested. <laughs> if Rick Brunson doesn't get arrested and it leads to Jalen Brunson actually coming to Temple, I think that's a program changing moment mm-hmm. i mean i think he's an all nba level player now mm-hmm. he would have been just as successful at temple as he was in nova i'm not saying they would have won national championship with him but like he would have been a 20 point game guy at, at temple mm-hmm. too yeah so, i'll come back for the second one Declan. uh i am 
playing peacekeeper in the men's basketball locker room last year. And I'm figuring out mm. a way we're sitting everybody down uh, before the season starts. And we're saying, okay, you know, here's the beef. Let's put it on the table and let's put it past us. And let's go be great this year. Cause I think that team would have been, could have, could have made some noise, but instead that, we got what we got. If that team was like a video game team and like, you didn't have to worry about personalities and stuff. Like it was just players. It's like a sweet 16 level team with some of the oh, guys yeah. they had. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And no injuries too. I'm turning the injury yeah, slide. Tackling goes in the settings. No I'm turning injuries off. Because I, I I was gonna I was gonna say I was gonna say peacekeeper too, like Declan did, but I'll go I'll go. Um, I know off the hook kind of mentioned it in his question, but I'll say keep Matt Rule here. Uh, give him give him more money and keep him at the program. I think while he might have still ended up leaving eventually further along, I think if he's able to stay here for a couple more years and keep that greatness. Or keep what keep that program up and make it build up its uh, stigma, and that it's more of a football school for longer. I think maybe the program would be a little bit different. You wouldn't see what it is at now. I think mine would be, and I, Kyle, I don't know what your second one is going to be, and I don't know if it necessarily boils down to a moment, but I, if I could create the moment, I would say that somebody would sit purely a chorus down and say, God rest his soul, Peter, you have to invest something in the football program because if there was a better, and I'm not talking about like Michigan, Ohio state investment. I'm not talking about anything unrealistic, but if there's a better investment, like, you know, fundraising, like getting a practice facility, like getting, something better on the books for football. We're having, I think, a drastically different conversation about Temple Athletics right now. The 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 lack of investment in in football, you know, basketball, they were able to get the Leacor Center built after five years of, of Temple battling with John Street. I'm not trying to overlook the significance of that, but if there was a better investment in football in the 80s and into the 90s, and you don't get kicked out of the Big East, Again, conference realignment has been crazier than we ever could have imagined, but I think somebody having a come-to-Jesus moment, Peter Lee, of course, hired John Chaney. Temple loves him for that. But the lack of investment in football years ago has really, really, really hurt the the athletic department. I think if somebody could have had, like, if 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 they could have put their heads together and said, we got to do something to the point, again, being realistic, I'm not saying you're going to all of a sudden have 55, 60,000 people to vet every game they were in a good big East before it changed. Had they invested better in football and taken some tangible steps, they're not constantly losing out on, on these conference realignment conversations and we're having a different conversation. So I'm, I'm creating a moment. It's not about a game. It's not about a specific hire, but that would be my thing. My second one goes hand in hand with that, where if you rewind the clock, like in there 10 years before that, uh, when Joe Paterno wanted to create an all, Eastern Conference uh, Conference of the mm-hmm. Independence with like Temple, Maryland, Rutgers, mm-hmm. uh, Pitt, Penn State. I think that would have become like essentially the Big East, but you would have had such a powerhouse anchoring it in Penn State that I think maybe you would have been able to put off the uh, the Big East blowing up a little bit longer than it happened, um, which again, that would have been all for naught if Temple still just didn't invest in its football program. But if they could have been in the conference with their academic and regional peers, 
and then actually invested that money back into the program, I think then, like I said, I don't think Temple would all of a sudden be Penn State, but I think if those couple of decisions had gone the other way, then Temple would be like a football program at the level of like a Rutgers, Maryland, Boston College, yeah, Pitt. absolutely. And yeah. instead, here we are. And they're in the American where people have the exhausting argument. There are no rivalries. Should they go back to the A-10? Should they? Should football drop down to FCS or Division Two and all that stuff? It has very quick answers. Uh, I think even if you had given, even if they had been able to give Matt Rule $10 million and he accomplished what he accomplished, someone would have come in right. and said, we can pay you 11. There was always going to be somebody that was going to pay Matt Rule more money. Yeah. And I don't fault him for wanting to take more money. Nope. Yeah, and his goal, and I, I know because I'm sure he's talked to other people about this. He he had, and again, it didn't work out for him. You know, it didn't work out for him for the Panthers. Uh, more and more, I think about what it would have been like, what it was like for him to work for a guy like David Tepper, just a classy guy, <laughs> throwing uh, throwing drinks at people. Yeah, every day that goes by, rules tenure at Carolina looks better. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you won a couple games despite that, despite yeah. David Tepper. Yeah, he looks like an interesting dude. Uh, but I mean, it was Matt's goal to at the time to to eventually coach in the NFL. And, you know, his agent, Trace Armstrong, and I'm sure other people told him, like, I don't think you're gonna get there. You're you, I don't think you're gonna jump from Temple to the NFL. I think you're gonna have to prove yourself in a power five conference. And I think that somebody would have ponied up the money to pay him uh, a little bit more. You know, it wasn't that he didn't like Temple, loves the area, still has a home. Uh, around here in Cape May and still loves the area, but um, I don't think even $10 million would have kept him at Temple today. I like that. Would you blackmail Villanova into keeping Temple in the Big East? Sure, but then then Temple would have had a it's decision to make because yeah. they were going to break away. And then what's your, what's your solution for football? Would the American have allowed Temple to... Temple would have been the only program that broke when the big east that had a football program like an yeah. fbs football program everyone yeah. else was fcs or non-existent so yeah uh, flown. is there like well let me again like for you guys johnny and, and declan ramir like uh i like like the peacekeeper answer i mean like we're well, I'm the oldest guy on the podcast here so we might have more institutional and knowledge <laughs> and background if you could boil it down oh. to a game what game would you go back and change in history Ooh. Oh, in history or last year? I would go, but like for like, because the the other answer to uh, the one that I would change if we could if we could if, if I had the power to change one moment in Temple sports history and I could make it game specific for me, I'd go back and get John Cheney that that win. Somebody goes back and and guards Ty Shine and it, that Cheney makes the unconventional switch and goes to man and, and comes out of his own. They shut down Ty Shine, and then we see what happens for him in, in 2000 because, God, they had a loaded roster. And that was that was the team that got away from him. John Cheney used to say, you know, five elite eights. I was always a bridesmaid, never a bride. I would have loved to have seen what that 2000 team could have done because that loss really, really stung. I, I'll, I still, in terms of the moment, the Le the Peter Leacorus conversation, in terms of a, a game, going back and, and changing one moment in time in a game, I would go back to the to the – Seton Hall game, but maybe if we were to amend this a little bit and go to a game that you could change, what would you do? I think the obvious one is, and sorry, Declan, um, Temple B in Notre Dame. Yeah, Notre Dame. that would be that would have been the next thing I thought of. Yeah, I think Notre Dame's a big one because 
they're probably I mean they still lose to Houston I guess but like that would have been a if they had beat Houston in that conference championship then all of a sudden you're playing like the Peach Bowl that yeah. year like that would have been like a yeah you're bringing in so much revenue for the program at that point um if Will I think Gates breaks differently on that pass yeah well it literally is one play that's not even one yeah. game that's one play if Will Hayes just doesn't take a bad route to the end to that play like then it was yeah. Will Fuller right Will Fuller Deshaun Kaiser just lofting yeah. out there to Will Fuller if Will Hayes breaks the way he's supposed to, and we're watching in the press box, like, oh, he's not going to get to that. That would have. Yeah, it was obvious right away. And he would have had a clear route down the sideline, too, to return it back for a pick six, too. So it's I said, from what I can remember, yeah. I mean, I don't remember the clear route, but I remember just like it was obvious as soon as he broke, like, oh, he took the wrong route. Like, this is bad. Yep. And sure. I think, I mean, to Will Hayes' credit, I think he's freely admitted that. Like, I just made a mistake, but yeah, that was a big moment. Mine. Is I wish they just had like three more bodies to beat San Diego State in 2011. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they went to double overtime against Kawhi Leonard, playing with mm-hmm. six guys. Two guys played 50 minutes in that game. Yep. Two bigs played 50 minutes in that game. Um, instead, mm-hmm. you know, that would have been Dumphy's Sweet 16. That would have been mm-hmm. then they play um, UConn right after that. Like they've just, just in all my time covering Temple, their inability to get to the second weekend of the tournament is just such a foreign concept to Temple that like i wish they had one thing to hang their hat on like remember that three week stretch in march of 2011 where mm-hmm. people were talking about temple but here we are yeah i i would have loved to have seen dump get whether it's that win the indiana win if he if they win one of those games and they get to the second weekend i think people start to have a a, a, a yeah. different conversation about fran dumphy's tenure uh, People like to beat up on him for the tournament performances. I get that, but he's still a hell of a basketball coach and still did a lot of good at Temple. I, I, to go back and get one of those wins for him would have been would have been nice. I just like 2011 more because I I, I wish Temple could be like remember the time that we beat Kawhi Leonard to get to this week 16. Like mm-hmm. Grant Indiana would have been Victor Oladipo. Like you still would have a guy, but like Kawhi Leonard's Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, here they are. John, is there a game you could you could think of or Ramirez a game that you could? think of or or Declan I like the peacekeeper answer for going back and being a peacekeeper in the locker room but is there a game at going back in time that you could change that you think would change the the course of of Temple's sports history I mean I believe Maybe. it was mentioned but it probably is the Notre Dame game like it, that was a the the entire eyes of the of the country were on that team you know and uh, my little eyes were on that team as well. That was my, little, little, my little eyes. My uh, my Declan's little bespectacled eyes. eyes. Would you have cried if Temple beat Notre Dame that night? No, I was rooting for Notre Dame that night. Yeah, I'm saying so. If Temple beat Notre Dame, that oh, would I have been upset? Yeah, I probably just wouldn't have talked on the ride home. Mm. <laughs> How old yeah. were you? I like 13. Were you wearing a costume because it was Halloween? No, I wasn't. I was just dressed you just to the as nines, a little leprechaun, like Notre Dame gear. No, no. Oh, you look like you were doing the mummer strut just now. The stadium. What'd you say? I did, I did Kyle look like he was doing the mummer strut on Two Street just now. That that did what you know. I mean, I get it. it probably though. was that year. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't believe. I think I think Rule leaves after that year if they beat Notre Dame. Because like the yeah. best. I mean, I think he got like Missouri offered him. He decided not to go to Missouri. Comes back next year, they win a championship. I think if he beats Notre Dame, he probably gets an offer better than Missouri. Yeah. And then it becomes like, does Temple win a championship that next year going with? I don't think Jeff Collins would have been the coach in that scenario because I don't think Jeff Collins, Jeff Collins was still at Mississippi State, I believe, at that point. He hadn't gone to Florida. So, like, I don't know. 
then maybe maybe you offer it to Phil Snow. Maybe they get more aggressive about keeping Phil around. Yeah, who knows? Butterfly These are those what ifs. I was driving this uh, during the daycare today, and we drove by a middle school, and I, I made the mistake a couple months ago of telling Jordan that's your future school, and he got really upset. And he mentioned now he's no longer upset. He goes, "Oh, that's my that's my school." And I was like, "Yeah, at a while from now, probably in like eight years." And then I'm driving there. I think to myself, "What was eight years ago? Eight years ago, Matt Rule just turned down Missouri. Temple just like just beaten Penn State. Like I'm like, oh, eight years isn't that long, Jordan." Mm-hmm. Why did he get really upset? He just didn't want to think about the future. Did he get nervous about going to bigger? He's got upset because like he likes his current school. Are his future friends? Are his friends going to be there? Are they going to the same school? And I was like, I don't know, and I don't (laughs) care. Like like, these are daycare friends. You're just friends because you're physical proximity with each other. (laughs) Like every day, I asked Jordan what he did at school, and he says, "I play with my friends." That's all he says. I'm like, "What'd you play?" I don't know. They just play with their friends. That's you know what else can be his friend? He has a little sister now. She can be your friend. Off we go. New school. Oh. I'm also making the mistake if I had to register for daycare next year. Now I'm going from one kid doing three days a week to one kid doing five days a week and another kid doing three days a week. And this might be a bad time to ask, but John, I need a raise. I need an Alscoop <laughs> raise. <laughs> Wait, me too. We use Alscoop <laughs> to pay for daycare. It's going to go up a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just take it out of Johnny's check. He'll be fine. <laughs> Johnny, Ramir, you guys don't have anything anything else on this? Uh, just a game you would go back and in, in, in change in time? I think if we're if we're going back to kind of the peacekeeper thing, I think that that first game of the season against Wagner kind of like set the tone for what that's the mess that that season was going to be. And I think maybe I'm not saying if they win the game, the season's changed and none none of it plays out that way. But I think maybe who knows, maybe they can move past whatever differences that they all had, like if they don't lose that game. That's just one kind of coming going off of that peacekeeper game like that or UMass right or UMass too yeah because right after UMass is when they benched Caleb yeah mm-hmm. like he went to the bench right after that and I was thinking Wichita State for the same reason because that was when he like left the team right which time <laughs> what or does Temple move on from KB that's a touchy subject uh before the season starts and a, a Caleb battle less team Hits hits uh, last season. Do they go to the tournament with a healthy Jamil Reynolds? They might have. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because source subjects. Yeah, Johnny, <laughs> if you really... had to, if 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 Temple's administration came to you and said, "We need you to take the Temple basketball team on a retreat for two days. We got it. We got to build some bridges. You got to sit Caleb Battle down with the rest of the team. Like, we need you. We're it's it's." You know, take them away for a couple of days for a, a retreat. Where do you take them? Ooh, um, I feel I feel like like the the Bahamas could be like a like a nice mm-mm. relaxing. Mm-mm. No, mm-mm. that's oh. not that's not what like team building is supposed to be though. That's just gonna be like, <laughs> hey guys, you want to go get rip roaring drunk for three days and like go lay on the beach? That's how that's how you bond. That's team no. building, baby. Oh, I think boy. I think, <laughs> I think you, you gotta bond. go. Remember the Titans, and you're like, we're going into the woods. And we're just like with each other, like I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if Johnny's eyes light up. Where can I go <laughs> in middle school or anything? Did you guys ever have to do like? Did they ever take you to team building camps? I don't think so. We had no. field days and stuff like that. In, like, hey, in India, I went to Catholic school. We had like retreats and stuff. Yeah, so it wasn't like a retreat or like what was the thing? What's the Catholic retreat that they always call? K. So it was like high school. 
And I was like, high school kids would always go into like a park for like, like a retreat with each other. It was always the Catholic kids. I forget what it was. Anyway, middle school, eighth grade, they made us go on. It would be like a four hour thing. They would just pick you up in the morning to come to school early. And they would be like, we're sending all the eighth grade boys and you guys are going to like get over your crap. And they would take us into the woods and they would make you do like the things where it was like trust falls. So it was like trust Probably. falls. And then like, oh, you have to like make a human bridge to get over this. And you can't only one you can go over a time. You guys got to figure out how to work together and blah, blah. And there were trust falls. And I had to trust fall catch this kid, Trent, who I hated. Didn't, didn't catch him. Just let him fall. <laughs> Just let him fall backwards into the mulch. Eighth grade, so not a good time to try to build trust. <laughs> you're proving you're proving my point that the woods wouldn't have worked if you're doing but trust. Eventually, if you do that long enough, eventually, I'm sure I would have caught Trent. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, here's why he should catch Trent. <laughs> yeah, I would have come to that moment. I'd be like, "You're right. It's all about catching Trent. We before me, and we would have gone from there." <laughs> but if I was in the Bahamas, I don't catch Trent, and then I go and I get a mai tai, and I'm just having a great time. Be I never had that moment. Be a Jerry Rice. Don't be a Jalen Rager. <laughs> But you could get vulnerable, you know, with you, you let your guards down, all of a sudden truth comes out and now you can confront it without having to worry about the walls. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. But like, what if I don't? And then I'm just in like a foreign country and like, I'm going to take the path of re least resistance. I know 13 year old Kyle would have taken the path of least resistance and I would have just gone. I would've you would have just at 13 years old. I'd be no, I'd be like, now I'm in like the water park, or now I'm in like the oh, beach. Okay. Like, like I'm not yeah. gonna deal with this uncomfortable situation. I'm just going to go do the path of least resistance. If That's I'm in valid. the woods, Kairos is the thing I was thinking of. Did you have Kairos in high school? Oh no, but we had it was called Encounter, and it's the same thing. Yeah. They would always send kids away and they'd all come back and you'd be like, Why is that person talking to that person now? They're like, Well, they had Kairos over the weekend. I'm like, okay. Yeah. What intense. is this? <laughs> and they it's were just intense. they would just like get in a circle and cry. Yeah. Like they they would just talk about their trauma and stuff, and I'll just cry. Yeah. And I come back, and I'm just like, I played video games for 23 hours this weekend. You guys were having emotional moments. You missed out, man. That was a very formative four days, three nights in the middle of nowhere in Malvern. My wife still has a scar from Kairos because they were doing, uh, they did a thing where they would light a Snapple bottle, and they like you can just put it on it, and the soot just like makes a circle, and it doesn't burn you. And my wife, it did burn her. She has like a circle on her arm from like a, a, a Snapple bottle. What a, what a, she got branded during, she got branded. <laughs> during Kairos. Right? Yeah. Is this the weirdest bit we've done on the scoop? <laughs> Ramir, it, it's up there. Is there a moment, uh, a recruiting battle, a game, something that you, that you could go back in time and change about Temple Sports? In my short time covering Temple Sports, I think the one game that probably could have given them a lot of momentum, even through uh, Temple basketball, um, covering them, that would have given them some momentum to maybe, you know, put aside whatever beef they had was if they beat Houston the second time mm. in mm. in Philly. And that would have get, that would have kept the, them in the at large conversation. Yeah. That would have kept school fans around you. too. Yeah, yeah, you you get the school behind you, and may, maybe McKee says, you know what, we got to put this aside. We we have an opportunity to go and you know play for a tournament, an AAC championship, or whatever. I'm scheduling a trip to the Bahamas. We're gonna figure this out, boys. <laughs> Johnny's like, we go. What's my what's my Johnny? What kind of budget do you think you had for this retreat? It's like, let's go to the 
Let's go to the Bahamas. Oh, you said you said name a place. Well, I, the, the administration came to me and said pick a place. I picked a place. They didn't they didn't tell me that I had a price tag. You can Don't do the they Bahamas run at cheap. like you go on TripAdvisor. You you leave on a Tuesday. You come back on a Thursday. Like you can do it cheap. <laughs> one of you, one gets of your on rooms, one of your hotel rooms, not going to have a window, but that's fine. It's cheap. Okay. <laughs> who needs who needs who spends window? time in the hotel room? You're in the Bahamas. Exactly. Everybody pack your tents. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well guys it has been a pleasure love you all appreciate you all thank you all for uh um sticking with us for another episode we'll have more if you're week. still if you're still with us at this point yes if you're still listening you're a real one we appreciate it <laughs> yes if you're still listening to the podcast at this point after it went off the rails we appreciate you hope everyone had a wonderful wonderful holiday season with their families friends and uh, we'll talk to you soon 